This is Brian Q. Miller, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's no! entertainment. <laughs> Here on the world, freezes in the None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt just like a cheese sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to small things like no evil should escape my sight. Let those who worship evils might be where my power green lantern But let the universe howl in despair for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Across the Airways, DC Nation podcast. The only place so far on the internet to find podcast reviews, cut all of the imaginative content DC Comics provides for its fans, including comic books, Brian Q. Miller's Smallville Season 11, and movies. I'm, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host. Got with me is someone that I hope isn't getting blown away by the hurricane that's currently taking place in Gotham's zero year. My co-host... Michael J. Petty. Hi, Michael. I'm glad you're here with us today. Absolutely, Dan. I was a little worried you got caught in a storm. Not yet, but there is always that possibility. Well, before the Riddler butts into our recording here, why don't you tell everyone what we're doing today on this week's DC Nation podcast? All righty. On this week's DC Nation podcast, we will be covering Forever Evil, Rogue's Rebellion, Issue 2, where we talk about yes. the most heroic villains ever, the Flash's rogues, and their struggle to stay alive during the events of Forever Evil. After that, we will go back into our zero-year month coverage, where we talk about issues 25 of Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, Nightwing, Batwoman, Birds of Prey, and Red Hood and the Outlaws, where we discover what these certain character, select characters were doing during the events of Zero Year. Well, they weren't dressed up as superheroes. Well, at least most of them weren't. Not yet. Nope. By the way, I have to say, there was this huge co- sale at my comic book store today, and all the back issues were half off. And I found Batman issue 404, which is Frank Miller's Batman Year One, Part One. Ooh. I found it for eight bucks, but since it was 50% off, I got it for four. I was so happy. Very, very nice. Yes, I thought in honor of, you know, our beloved Zero Year, we may mention what the Batman origins of the past. Right, which uh, Scott Steiner is definitely not trying to overwrite. No. By any means. Not at all. Well, Year One is what he grew up with. He wouldn't want to do that. So that's for you caters out there who are thinking, Zero Year is going to replace Year One. No, that is not the case. It may be replacing it via continuity, but not in the hearts and minds of every beloved Batman fan. Exactly. But before we get into talking about Zero Year, let's talk about Rogue's Rebellion 2. Come back, I'll take it away with the summary. Separated from their leader, Captain Cold, and trapped in Metropolis, the Rogues must fight for their lives against the Secret Society's secret weapon, the horrifying Parasite. Okay, this was kind of a, a repeat of kind of some of the things we saw get forever evil three yeah where captain cold got blasted through a window while trying to enter mirror world god he lost his powers yep god he's stuck running out of the loose i want to say still metropolis yeah it seems like so that's where he is he's running around in metropolis 
run amok. Uh, and he, thanks to Mirror Master's help, gets put on the trail of Lex Luthor, Kamazaro, and Captain Cold teams up with them. So that's going on. We have we have that part. And then, um, so we have that part. And then the rogues go into Mirror World and come out in what we think is Metropolis. Michael, you were a little confused here. You thought it was Earth three. Yeah, because then they encountered the Ar- the Archer guy, and I thought he was just a backwards version of Green Arrow because I wasn't really sure because I don't think we've been introduced to him yet in the New Fifty Two. So I was a little bit confused, but I guess it's not Earth three. It seems more like it's the regular Earth, especially since it's this series is going to be tying into Arkham War soon. Now, could it be that? The Archer guy slipped out of Earth Three with the rest of the villains. I'm almost wondering. I'm almost wondering if the Crime Syndicate have been bringing people over since uh, the end of Trinity War when Pandora's box was open. Okay. I, I wonder if that's a possibility. Because I wonder if this is a situation like when uh, Green Arrow tried to join the Justice League. Yeah. When he was like chasing them around. Yeah. Trying to get a part of it. I wonder if that's. What's going around with this? What was it, the Archer guy? Yeah, I feel like though, if that were the case, Ultraman would have just burned him alive already. Well, maybe he's just a little too sneaky for that. Well, yeah. It could also be a case of since all the heroes are gone and the villains shall inherit the earth, sort of thing. I'm almost wondering if just normal people are starting to become villains to see if they can impress these crime syndicate and go higher up in the society. Forever Evil's turning into Kick-Ass too. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, the bad version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I kind of always thought that they were still in the New 52, or it's still on New Earth because, you know, the Parasite showed up. Because he's a typical Superman villain. So it made yeah. sense he was running around Metropolis. Yeah, and I, and I think you are right, because it seems like in the next issue, in issue three and issue four, are go, both going to be Arkham War tie-ins, because at the end of the six, they end up in Gotham. So it seems like that's the case, so I think you're right. Yeah. God, that's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. But before we get into speculation about the next part, I like that Beer Master was kind of put in a position where he has to be leader. Yes. That could be interesting. Well, and his new 52, ver- the new 52 version of Mirror Master is definitely not leader material, really. No. Well, and then that leads us into a, well, another situation is, will this give him the backbone to kick uh, Cold out because he doesn't have powers anymore? Yeah. Of the group? I don't know. I'd, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's always possible he'll get them back by the end, but I doubt it. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. He may be mutated or something for all we know. Right. Well, for all we know, uh, Poison Ivy could join the rogues. That would be so messed up. Because she's going to show up for the next issue, I guess. Well, she's already been part of the Birds of Prey, so. Yeah, Poison Ivy's been a surprise in the new Earth continuity. But now she's a villain again, which is kind of like I like that she, I like her as a villain a lot more. But it's kind of disappointing because I feel like they could have done a lot with her in the Birds of Prey series. 
I feel like she's now become like Harley Quinn, which is like one of those anti-hero characters. Well, yeah. she'll, where she will sometimes team up with Batman and the guys if it fits what she's up to or her antics. Interesting. Where before it was, guy poison ivy, I'm a straight up bad guy. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. As soon as I make contact. Okay, this was a little bit different. But even if we remember the, the animated series, she wasn't necessarily a bad person before she went all poison ivy. I mean, she was going right. to make Harvey Dent. But what? Well, she did poison him. Well, yeah. But, you know, even beforehand, she wasn't necessarily a bad person. No, she was a person trying to do the right thing, but going about it the wrong way. Right. Um, yes. There's, I, I can remember lines of lines from Kevin Conroy are playing in my head as Batman talking about Poison Ivy. <laughs> what she was doing was wrong, but her goal was a good one. That's the one that's going through my head right now. Yeah. Okay, this uh, book on tape that was of uh, some Poison Ivy story. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking of. Was it Conroy's voice? Yes. That is awesome. Yeah, it was a, it was a Batman book on tape. Got it. It was like it was like a it was like a comic book. That is awesome. It was like you know it was like one of those books we had as a kid. Yeah. But instead, it was like made like a comic book. And yeah. you play the tape at a, at a tape player. It tells you how old I am. And on the tape was all the voices from the animated series. That's sweet. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty cool. Kind of was interesting. It was a really good story. God, I, I'm surprised they didn't make it into an episode. Yeah, I'm a little surprised too. Yeah. So, I mean, it felt like one with like we had all the music and talking and everything. Well, and if they had Kevin Connor do the voiceover, it seems like almost a waste for it not to be an episode. Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting, but be interesting to see where the rogues go with Ivy. Uh, this story kind of really felt like a big fight fight scene. Good chase. Yeah, I was going to say, it felt a lot like a Scooby-Doo chase almost. Yes, through through mirrors instead of doors. Right. <laughs> which seemed, which don't seem to work out as well for the game. No. I, yeah, I, I thought the first issue had a lot more story. So a lot more interesting in the whole dynamic of the rogues and how they reacted to uh, the forever evil situation. Yeah. But maybe the next one will slow down a bit. Right. Which would be good. Yes. Especially since it's an Arkham War tie-in, and we want to savor that as much as possible. Well, Arkham War, I mean, I, th- I thought that issue, too, was better than this one. Really? Yeah, because it, it, I just, because that the the dialogue, yeah, I the guess character development was... Well, yeah, it was so good with baited Pegwood. Yeah, I agree. Because it had the crazy chase stuff in it, too. But there was also that opening that was a little slower paced. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, is that summing up? Is there anything else really? No, I I think that's about it. I mean, I, I really did like the issue. I, I really love the characters in this book. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you love the characters. Because I'm for sure going to keep reading it. Oh, yeah. Because you want to see where it goes with them and that dynamic with them now having powers is so interesting you want to just eat up every angle of it 
Yeah. And, and quite frankly, like I would really want a rogues book, just a monthly book. And not only that, but with the flash show, that's apparently in development, I would think it'd be really cool. if They did something like Kira versus liberate. Yes. But, but it, from Continuum, but instead do Flash versus the Rogues, where the Rogues have their own plotline going, as does the Flash, but they keep intersecting. I think that would be interesting. I think that'd be very cool. And if you wanted an ensemble cast for the show, that's what you'd have to do almost. Well, it would make it different than Arrow. Yeah. Okay, it, it would make it a uniquely different show than, than I mean, Arrow or the other superhero shows that came before. I agree. Yeah, or anything on the CW as a whole. True. So, quite and you can get a romance out of there with uh, the sister. Great yeah, called sister. Gilder. Yep. Or glider, or whatever, golden something. Lisa. Yeah. For... Lisa. They they really could get some uh, CW relationship mileage out of that stuff. And of course, you'd still have Iris West and. Patty Spivet and you yeah. know that yeah I, I think the Flash series I just have to say this right now has so much potential that I honestly like I'm look more looking forward to that than almost anything else coming next year except maybe Gotham which I'm probably equally looking forward to why well, I, I thought uh, the idea of the original Flash show was a good idea I do I just don't think the the enthusiasm about superheroes were there because I don't think the effects were there I think they really tried relying on the Burton Batman films. Yes. And it didn't work. I mean, it worked. It was a really good show, but it didn't go where it should have gone. Plus, I don't think writers, especially at television, took it as seriously as yeah. they do now. I think they took Melois and Clark more seriously. In the first season. In the first season. And maybe a little bit of season two. But... And then it kind of weighed... Off to the side. Then it became like a Silver Age comic book. Clones, clones killed that show. Clones kill every show, though. Yeah, my my mom actually made a crackpot theory about Castle that involved clones. No. I'm like, no, not this show. Clones are not taking down Nathan Fillion. But I'm getting off topic, so. I don't know. Lex clones in Smallville worked, but that's about it. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time to move on to some of these tie-ins. Yes. Is there a particular one you would like to start with? Why don't we start with last week's titles before we get into this current week's that titles? That sounds fantastic. Which would be Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, and Nightwing. I kind of want to start with Nightwing. I'm cool with that. I have kind of at least to say about this one, so I don't know if you have a lot to say about it. <laughs> not not. <laughs> particularly but you know yeah why don't we take it away with that a batman zero year tie-in dick grayson frantically tries to find Haley's circus and his parents as gotham city is plunged into total darkness i felt this was a harder character to connect to this storyline Okay. Because in my, my mind, Dick Grayson didn't really come to Gotham until his parents were killed. Interesting. Okay. And so it was like Nightwing being here was a stretch to me. Okay. Um, uh, the story in itself was good. But I, I part of me was like, 
Should it have been him and his circus friends trying to get out of the city instead of just some random kids he met? Well, here, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk about both of your points there real quick, Dan. Quite frankly, I really like that Dick was in Gotham. Okay. At this point, I think I think that helped him um, in his role in becoming a hero, not just as Robin, but as Nightwing. And to prove I, he could. It's a proof he could. Yeah. And and I really do think that him being around Gotham around the same time as Batman, um, starting up, yeah. I thought it was a very because Barbara Gordon we always know was there. We always yeah. know. Jason Todd was there. To an extent, we knew Tim Drake was there. But they never really established Dick being there. And Dick, I think, is the most important member of the Bat family outside of Batman and Alfred. True. And that being said, I think it worked a lot better with him being here around the time of Zero Year. And I think it gives him a deeper connection to the city and explains a lot why, in the early issues of Nightwing, he really calls Gotham his home before he moves to Chicago. Okay. So for me, I thought that worked really well. And that being said, I think it being him leading kids out, random people out, as opposed to his friends, was a lot better too. Because I think that kind of kind of explains some of the animosity between him and some of the people at Haley's Circus. Okay. It, it, earlier in the Nightwing run and Kyle Higgins' Nightwing run. Or even I, at the beginning of this book. And even at the beginning of this book. And I also think that him just leading these random kids out and keeping them away from this villain who was amygdala, right? Yes. Which by the way was awesome. If you've read nightfall, you know who this guy is. He's really cool. And it was cool how he, he defeated him. I liked that part. I liked that a lot too. But, and, and I think the, and I think the reason Kyle Higgins decided to make it random kids was to show that Dick Grayson is a leader and Dick Grayson is naturally right. a hero. And I, and I think if it were just his friends, he'd want to get them out because they're his friends. But if it's random people that he has no connection to, yeah. that he doesn't need to have a connection to, that makes him a hero. And I think that worked really well for the story. Quite frankly, I really liked this issue. Kind of appreciated it as a Teen Titans fan because the New 52 has kind of cut out that era where he was leading teenagers. Right. And so this was kind of getting, less getting the opportunity to see those moments again and i have to say i love his circus outfit being reminiscent of his batman the animated series nightwing outfit yeah i really like that too that's really cool okay and why why he has that symbol yes yep that that's very cool and i love that he makes himself the red mask yes that's also very cool yeah that was a very good nod and the the moroni reference was interesting that was very. I'm wondering how much that's going to come into play later in the Nightwing book. Well, I was wondering is that the deal that set up Tony Zuko to kill his parents? But if Dick saved his son, why would he want but to? But he went to CC Haley and he said, If you need any favors, I'm the guy to ask. Oh. Uh, and you know what that reminded me of? Was uh, Lionel Luther saying the same thing to Jonathan Kent? Cut Smallville. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with Clark's adoption. Guy that he goes, oh yeah, you know that corn factory I closed it. Oh yeah. So he made a deal with him, and then he would back on it by doing something bad. So I'm wondering if that was the deal with Baroni. The same kind of thing happened. That's interesting. I like that. So, 
And, and quite frankly, this this issue really made me wish that that Grayson's show that Kelly Saunders and Brian Peterson wanted to make, yeah. would have, because this this it the like. It really had so much potential to be a series, especially with how good this issue was, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this issue was kind of a nod towards what that could have been. Yeah. Uh-huh. I agree. So, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I'm 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 a minority. I know that all the reviews I read weren't as good, but I I haven't really enjoyed Kyle Higgins' Nightwing. I think it's probably the best Nightwing's been written in a long time, and I really I really like his interpretation of the character, and it was a great connection right. to right here. Well, I love the book. I I, and I love the character, and I love all that. I just this one I just thought goes a bit of a stretch. I was connected to Gotham, but of course I'm going to keep reading this book because God love Nightwing. Right. Yeah. Nightwing's really your favorite. Yes, he is. Like, him and Wally West are really your favorite. Well, you know, I kind of grew up liking those characters, and that's just how I am. And I, and I really I like some of the Titans books. I do. I like some of the older Titans books. Yeah. I, I love Mark Wolfman and George Perez's stuff. Yeah. it's it's It really is it is it it really is quality. Quality comic book writing right there. Yeah. So, yeah. That girl now? Sounds good. Okay. A Batman Zero Year tie-in. Barbara Gordon is forced to protect her brother and her homestead in anticipation of the upcoming storm. But it's here that she learns the true meaning of home and hero. I really thought they were trying to... uh... Make a nod to beware the Batman here. With Barbara's look here. Yep. With the short hair and stuff. I agree. Kind of how the house looked. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That was that was very, very interesting. Now, the artist on this book, Fernando Passerine, Passerine? Yeah. Pass, something like that. I, I'm wondering if he's a beware the Batman fan now. Okay. Because I, I really liked his art in the book. It was very good, I thought. And I he really drew Barbara, not just not just in her look, but the way she moved almost, like she does on Beware the Batman. Yeah. It was very interesting. Um, the weird thing about it for me, though, was this. this that's, it was weird to see her in the comic books with the short hair. Yeah, I didn't like that very much. And this but... artwork, I was like, what the heck? Like, it almost threw me for a loop. Yeah. Because, you know, you read the character in every other book, and she's got long hair, and I know this was to make her look younger. But it was just, it kind of, I did a double take at the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, that was interesting. And I guess her clothing choices changed as she got older, too. Yeah. Which was interesting to see as well. But uh, I figured it was because... It was rainy and nasty outside. That's kind of what it was. Yeah. And I also thought it was cool how she took her dad's stuff out of the closet, got geared up. Yes. To go that out. Was... That was kind of cool. Yes. I, I really liked the uh, shot of her on the rooftop looking at all the police blimps. Yes. Because police blimps don't really exist if I'm, if I'm correct. 
what they do on Batman the Animated Series. And but that's what they're Batman the Animated Series, and they do in the comics now, which is awesome. Yeah, that made me very excited. Yeah. God, that that was very fun, and, and I thought the artwork that went in the rain was really good. Yeah. I mean, the, you could feel that this was a storm. God, this was nasty. Yep. And even, like, it was weird, but, you know, you had, like, Barbara gearing up. Kind of was almost like she put on her superhero costume in a way. And, and normally when a character does that, you feel safe. Like, yep. if you, they're okay. But this story even went to show, her, show that even if she, like, armored up, kind of was totally prepared for everything, the storm still was a threat. It still was there. Yeah. And it was still more powerful than she was. Well, and she and she looks across the ocean too, and she sees one of the islands of Gotham burning. Yes. Yeah, she looks over the about it, and she's not Batgirl. She can't get over there. She just has to watch helplessly. Yes. Gwen and Barbara, you know, she's always thinking of a plan, a way out. I thought this issue did a very good job of showing her intelligence as well. Yeah. But every time she thought she got the upper hand. Something else went wrong, because she had to get through it, and it turned into a survival thing. So that was very interesting, too. Yeah. It was a very intense book. Yeah. Okay, what did you think of the guy that was, like, kind of the hero of the book, helping them and then betraying them? Henry? Yeah, Henry. I really believed he wanted to help until he said, throw over your bags. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, this really is like No Man's Land. Yeah. Because because one of the things I really liked about No Man's Land, back when they did that in the uh, late 90s-ish, was that no one in Gotham was really themselves. Yes. And that, and that you would see the best in people, but more than not, you would see the worst in people. And you would see how our heroes would have to overcome that, and how our heroes would have to accept that, and how our heroes would have to have to inspire people out of that. And I thought this issue did a really good job of paying homage to that and making its own version of it. Yeah, I agree. Well, and, and Barbara's standing up to this guy. Um, I mean, it showed how she kind of lost her um, fear, I guess. Yeah. Because at the beginning, she was kind of scared and stuff. And this was what showed like how she was empowered to eventually become Batgirl later on down the road. Kind of standing up to, against this guy that she was relying on a hero kind of turned out not to be what he was cracked up to be. I, I think we'll see him again in the present. Yes, I do. I think he might be back. Because he says, wait for me, kid. I'll see you around. And then he just turns the corner while he's in the river. And I, yeah, I think he's, I think he'll be back. What's with all the people in the Batgirl comics falling into the water? Got yeah. threatening to be back. Yeah. Your brother, this guy, oh my gosh. And I have to say, I felt really bad for Barbara because she lost all of her stuff. Like, of her mom yeah. and everything. And her dad. Like, I, I, I'm I, glad that as a character and as a person, she got to overcome that. Yes. And she, she didn't think of or dwell on that as much as I think right. people would. I think I would. But I, I did feel bad for her about that. Yeah, she's a character that has lost a lot. 
Okay, it's a wonder it doesn't take a toll on her, really. And, I, and I'm thinking that Batgirl wanted the current arc that's going to be concluded next issue. I'm wondering if it's finally going to get to her. Yeah, because she kind of snapped in this again, Batgirl wanted, yes. I agree. That that the boyfriend getting killed was like the straw that broke the camel's back there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, Batgirl 25, very good issue. And it wasn't Gail Simone who wrote it. It was... Uh, Mar- Margaret Bennett? Yes. So, And if she job. takes over at some point, hey, I'm up open to it. I think she really gets the character well. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, what we saw here. Very good character study issue. Oh, absolutely. And I think very good tribute to Barbara Gordon and very good, very good for us to know her origins. Yes. Because I think that really helps the rest of the, be- the, rest of the book being be fulfilling. Sorry. Okay, now you want to go into Green Lantern Core 25 now? Yes. All right. Let's do that. A Batman Zero Year tie in. When the Riddler throws Gotham City into total darkness, a young Marine named John Stewart is deployed as part of the peacekeeping measures. But he gets much more than he expected when he must deal with a mere costume chaos. Known as Anarchy. Yeah, and this was another issue, I guess, they had. Because not to be where the Batman. With Anarchy being the villain. I'm glad yeah. they're doing stuff like that. Like, Arrow is getting a lot of comic book cred. <laughs> now with Diggle being in the book and all that. Yeah. And I'm glad that they're doing that now with Be Where the Batman. They did a little bit with Young Justice. They did a little bit, not a whole lot with Green Lantern. But I'm glad that um, Be Where the Batman is definitely getting that credit. Yeah, I agree. I am very glad for that too. And Anarchy looks more like his Arkham Origins version. Yes. Which is also pretty cool. I agree. Good. To more of the focus on this book, when I heard Green Lantern Corps was going to do a Green Lan- uh, Zero Year tie in, I was like, how is this going to work? Yeah. Uh, because of like Green Lantern, Power Rings, how's this going to fit into this? But really what we got was a really, really good John Stewart story. Which I think we've needed ever since Hal Jordan returned. Yes. In Rebirth. Well, I loved it on uh, Savage Time, which was the Justice League Animated Series episode. Yes. Where Green Lantern lost his powers. Kind of had to join up with the Marines in the, in the World War II. I, I thought that was a really cool story. God, this was kind of more of that in modern times. But it's a hurricane, which is well, really cool. And I think a lot of people forget how important John Stewart is yeah. to a lot of people, because he was one of the first black African American, excuse me, superheroes. He was really the first guy to take over for Hal Jordan's The Green Lantern and be successful with it for the most part. He was a huge part of the DC animated universe, and most people grew up with him as Green Lantern. I know I did. Yeah. And and he's just a really strong, great character. He's a, he's a good role model hero, no matter who you are. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people say, well, he's, a, he's an advocate for African-American super, superhero fans. But I think he's a, a great inspiration for everybody. I think so, too. And a, and a really respectful figure that gives a really nice nod to the military. Yes. Yes. 
I, I thought this book was great of really capturing the sacrifice and what soldiers in the National Guard do within our country uh, yep. to help people in disasters. So I thought that was a really great nod. I think the flashbacks to what uh, John Stewart's mom was talking about was actually talking about the race riots in L.A. Yeah. So I think they were using real life, a real life circumstance to support this story. Which is really cool because that's yeah. what John did with Simon Baz when he introduced him as the Green Lantern, the new one. So they did the same thing here with John Stewart. And again, that's kind of one of the, one of the reasons why John Stewart was introduced. So I thought this captured it very, very well. Yeah. Okay. And also, you know, the military guys, them saving the day for once. I mean, Batman was just kind of in the background. Yeah. Okay, so that was cool, too. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I really liked, and this is kind of a nod to Beware the Batman as well, where I talk about how Batman and anarchy are really the opposite of each other. Yeah. I really liked here how anarchy's message and the message John Stewart's mother was telling him as a kid were really conflicting and really opposite. Yeah. And and I really and I really like the whole conflicting messages theme that they do in Batman comics or at least in Batman tie-ins in terms of this. I, I really like that because it really gets the average person to think. Right. And also, I mean, John Stewart was willing to sacrifice a career for what he believed in for our country and personally. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, too. Yes. God, I wonder if that's going to come to pl into play in his interactions with Batman. Batman witnessing him doing these things. Well, I, I really hope that with Hal Jordan in space right now in the current comics, I really hope that Jon Stewart will make a return to Earth. And I, and I know right now Simon Baz is really the Green Lantern of Earth, but I, I really hope Jon Stewart makes it back because I would I would love him to be on the league. I'd love interaction with him and Batman, especially regarding this issue. Well, I would be happy if he's just the Justice League Green Lantern. Yeah. Because that's how people know him, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, and that may be a possible reason why people were maybe initially turned off by the Green Lantern movie or animated series, because yeah. that's who people knew. Guy, I think it would have been fun if they brought him in the Green Lantern the animated series. Yeah. Well, they mention him though. Yes, they Scott do. Carter does say that he is a Green Lantern, which is cool. Yeah. But you know, I think that story more fit hell, but that's just me. The animated series. Yeah, I agree, and I think. Ultimately, the movie did, too, especially with Parallax being the villain. Yeah. All right. So with that, I think you ready to move on? Absolutely. I, closing thoughts. I really like this <laughs> issue, and it really makes me uh, miss Jon Stewart as a part of, well, more mainstream, I guess I should say, comic books. I agree. All right. So next up, I think we'll talk about Batwoman. A Batman zero-year tie-in, the no-holds-barred battle between Batwoman and Batman threatens to kill them both. I don't think that summary summed up the issue at all. I don't either, <laughs> which was so weird because I remember reading that summary before buying the issue, and I knew it was a zero-year tie-in, but I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it didn't. Because that's really not what happens. Right. I, I've never really read the Batwoman book. 
Me neither. So I, I don't have much basis to go off of on this one here. Very weird to see a Wayne family funeral and there be people there. <laughs> or Kane family funeral. Yes, a Kane family funeral. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, what? I agree. Because I always just assumed, you know, Batman had no family. And I don't know, do you think this cheapened the Uncle Philip thing? To see that Uncle Philip or Bruce had more family? I I feel personally that it does cheapen the death of Batman's parents a little bit. Okay. I, I, I think that is uh, for sure. Um, and that kind of bothered me. That being said, I love that we finally know how Batwoman and Batman are related and how they are involved in each other's lives. And I really liked that they made Bat Kane, who was the original Batgirl, Bat hyphenated girl. Yes. One of their cousins as well, just a younger cousin. And I think that'd be really cool to bring her into play in this book. I mean, again, I don't read the book, right. but that might get me intrigued to pick it up. So my guess here, or the way I follow it, is that Batman's mother. Yes. And Batgirl, I mean, Batwoman's mother were sisters. Well, it seems like it might have been um, Philip, uh, Martha, and Kate's dad. Okay. Who are the siblings. And then maybe another one, whoever is the... Because um, I the, was like, well, why did why did the brother, the other brother, take in Bruce when he had a daughter? Because he was a military guy. Ah. Okay. And that's kind of what they explain, which is why Alfred kind of – and I think, quite honestly, I think Alfred really fought to keep Bruce. I, that's yeah. my personal opinion on that, especially given um, the backup story we got during Court of Owls. Well, and if he was a – Bruce being a soldier is probably a bad idea because of the, tra the trauma he went through. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And actually, that reminds me of something I recently read. I was recently reading on one of the Krypton site, uh, sites, the Gotham site, I think yeah. it was, um, the old the old outline to the Bruce Wayne show. Yes. And throughout the series, he was going to try being a cop at one point. He was going to try being a military guy, but it was all going to fail because it didn't fit him. It yeah. didn't work. It wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't the vengeance he could get. Well, Batman's always connected to Gotham City. And, and there's also that. Yes. So, like, military doesn't make sense because he'd be going to other places. Well, right. And even Gotham Police Department, that doesn't even make sense because he can't use all the force he wants to use. Yes. Exactly. And, 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 I, always, and I always love the scene where Batman's just sitting in the chair before his parents' picture, and he's like, what should I do? Who should I be? I need something. I need something to scare criminals. I need, and then the bat breaks through. Right. And that's just definitive how Batman became Batman. And I love it. Yeah. And, and, and I think if he were adopted into Kate's family and he did become a soldier, not only would we, would we not have that, but I don't know if Gotham city would have been as prepared for zero year or even would have come out of zero year alive as they clearly do. do. Yeah. I agree. And and that has no, you know, real relation to Batwoman, but, you know. Yeah. I, I did like the scene between Kate and Bruce. I thought that was really cool. It was very good. 
Um, I think we're going to get more feeding on more of a falling out between them. Yes. Because right now they didn't seem to be that much at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if that's going to come as maybe another zero-year tie-in for Batwoman, or what's going to happen? That would be interesting. Because there or, needs to be a little more explanation yeah. here. Or even in the actual Batman book. Yeah. But I am getting intrigued about Batwoman now, now that she does have a connection to his family. I agree. There, there's some things, and I want to see how it works out, kind of plays out so we can buy into it. And I've never really been too fond of the character, quite honestly. I've never really cared. I've never really liked the idea. But at least this gives an explanation that I think is worth it. Well, that's because she had no connection to Batman. Right. She was just a character running around Gotham dressing up like Batman. That's really what she was. Right. And I always and I always thought back to Mystery the Batwoman where I'm like, they don't really have connection to Batman, but they're using his well, they're really using Batman Beyond symbol, but they're using it for their own purposes to scare people. Well, you could say it, you know, you could say Batgirl's the same way, but she was connected to someone out of Batman's supporting cast. Well, not only so that, that, literally worked with Batman and Robin, and it's even established that that was the case during the New 52 at the beginning, after Zero Year. Yeah. And she knows their identities. It's it's different than Batwoman. Okay. I'll give you that. That's a good, that's a good call. Yeah, especially if you read Batgirl issue Zero. Yeah. That really dives in. And Nightwing Annual 1. They both really dive into that. Right. Well, I thought, you know, Kathy going out there and having the fight scene was very interesting. Got jumping yeah. into the pool and stuff. That was really cool. That was cool. And whatnot, yeah. That was really cool. So it was fun to read for those reasons. And good yep. stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. And is Maggie Sawyer, is that who that is? Yes. Okay, because she's a Superman supporting character. I don't, I don't like that she's a Batman supporting character. But I think she's a love interest to Batwoman because, come, um, she's a lesbian like Kathy Kane is. Uh, is the new Fifty Two Kathy Kane a lesbian? Yes, I think she is. Yeah, that's why the writer is currently off the book because he wanted them to get married, and I don't think DC editorial did. Yeah, because it's not legal in all fifty states. It's <laughs> probably why. Right. Yeah. But is what state is Gotham in? From what the new fifty-two, from well, what I'm going with is actually Comics twenty-five showed somewhere in North or South Carolina. Okay, because I think before it was like New Jersey. It could be. It's on the East Coast. Okay. It's a hurricane that's hitting the East Coast, is what they've said. But it's somewhere in that area. Interesting. I'm still trying to figure out on Arrow where Starling City is, so sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where that city is. Well, all the time it always says USA in the comics. I know. It's so irritating. I'm like, like, just give me a state already. Just make it up. There's the one thing I like about Marvel is they use real cities and actually real locations, whereas DC makes all these fake locations, and then they don't tell you where they are. And well, that like, was what was great about the Nightwing book. Because it takes place in Chicago. They were using real places in Chicago. Yeah. And real and, streets. Yeah. And we we resonate with that because we live right outside yeah. of Chicago. But And a lot of people do who are in the city picked up the book, I heard, because of that. And I like that. I think that's it's cool. 
it was interesting. But, you know. I wonder if Kyle uh, Higgins is from around here. I think he was because he was at the same Bears game I was at a few weeks ago, and I didn't find out till three days later, and I was really pissed because I would have gone down to his seat and said, I'm dead serious. Like, I saw yeah. a picture on Twitter of him at the game, and it was the same game I was at, and I could see my seat from the picture he took, and I was so mad. Oh, dude. Yeah, I know. It was so irritating. That sucks. And the worst is I went to the comic store the next day uh, with my cousin because we were in the city comic shopping, and I saw tons of Nightwing books, and I was like, crap. Oh, that's a bummer. It was so frustrating, but it was, it was really actually kind of funny. Oh, man, we could have got him for a soundbite. I know. I, and I, that's what I would have done, too. I would have totally recorded the soundbite off of him. But the, the, the crowd cheering in the background, yeah. With the crowd cheering in the background. Fun. This is Kyle Higgins, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. I love it. All right. Because now he writes Batman Beyond Universe, too. And yes. I'm like, wow, really? Which, by the way, Batman Beyond 2.0, which is the digital version of Batman Beyond Universe, such a good book. Oh, my yes. God. It's fantastic. Every month, I'm like, that is the one book I have to read outside of Scott Snyder's Batman and Jeff Lemire's Green Arrow because it is that good. And it's such a good continuation of the show. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But I think that sums up Batwoman. Yep. It is what it is. We talked about the family. Talked about Maggie Sawyer. We're good. We are good. So on to Birds of Prey 25. Black Canary Zero Year? Well, it's definitely a Batman Zero Year tie-in issue as we look into the pivotal moment in Black Canary's history. Don't miss assassins, mystery men, and an ancient evil in Gotham City. This had a good story. I had a hard time with it because it could ask me to let go of a lot of things I liked about the previous continuity, post-crisis. Yeah. I liked her having the mentor at the dojo and stuff. Yeah, but to me, her metro is always Wildcat. I'm sorry. I know I'm with you, but he's on Earth too right now. So that was hard. God, it was hard to see that she was a child abandoned by her parents. That Dinah was because I'm like, Although, no. Be fair. Like, if you watched Arrow and then you went to read this comic, you could understand why. Why? Because her mom laughed. Her mom just went up and oh, laughed. That's true. And her father became an alcoholic yeah. for five years. And based off of that, you really could watch Arrow, then go and read this issue wanting an origin for Laurel, or I guess in this case Dinah, and find one that works. Yeah, I guess it was work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the hugest fan of it, but it, yeah. I'm saying, like, for a modern audience, it works and it resonates with people. But for and me, it's, it's Team 7 and Birds of Prey a little bit. Right, but for me, it's just like, no, her her mom was Black Canary, you know, and she raised her, and she, God, there's a metahuman who has a canary cry and stuff. So it's hard for me to get accept this. Yeah. I have a feeling that her origin story is going to change again, once they explain it all on Arrow. Now, does she have Sonic Scream in the New 52 in the present? I think it's a device she uses, like they had on Arrow. Okay. I don't remember. I haven't read Birds of I read Birds of Prey like the first six issues, but I haven't read it after that, and I forget what it was. Okay. So I I got to go back and, and remind myself. I think 
that it's a device. People could correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, but besides that, I did like she was running her own dojo, dojo and kind of being an independent woman. Not, yeah. Not a flower shop girl. Because I always thought that was silly that she ran a flower shop. I, I, I kind of am hoping that's where they go with her on Arrow, quite frankly, but that's a different story. The attorney just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I, I'm going to quit being an attorney and run a flower shop. Well, uh, if she gets discharged from being an attorney, that might be all she can do. I, I come at a private detective agency. Uh, I don't know. It, like, her with mystery just doesn't work for me unless she's in her here identity. It just doesn't. Like, be a flower shop person or have a dojo, but Laurel doesn't do dojos on Arrow, so... Right. Sarah might. Sarah might. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I did like this story. I thought it was really cool that she had the dojo. I like that they're connecting her to Gotham City, and I like that they're making her her own hero before they introduce her into Green Arrow. Yeah, I like that, too. Which I don't think they'll do for a good while, but I think they will do soon because of how successful Black Canary has been on the show thus far, on Arrow, I mean. I think when Laurel becomes Black Canary on Arrow, then she'll be introduced into the um, Arrow, Green Arrow books. Okay. Kind of intertwine with each other. I don't think they liked them being in the same book. I don't think DC ultimately thought that worked. And I don't understand why. I don't know either. I that's just what they I think it did. I thought so too, but between the new fifty two and some other things, who knows? But you know what? That could ultimately be where they go again because really it appeals to two audiences. It appeals to the female audience and it appeals to the male audience. And it appeals to audiences of arrow and audiences of green arrow and comics in general. And you're getting two heroes for the price of one. Yeah. Cause I think they're taking it slow with that and doing it, which is good and bad. Plus there's too much crap going on in the universe right now. To well, do that. there is that, but I do like, she's making her own. She's becoming her own hero. I like the relationship she had. With the dojo owner. That yes. was good. That was good. I'd God. like to see him on Arrow. God, the goodbye scene was very nice. Yeah. I liked that. It was a nice moment. Yeah. Um, and the fight she had was very cool. Very well drawn. Um, I was a little shocked Batman didn't show up. Yeah, or at least in the background. Yeah. Because this was the one book where I really did think he was going to show up a little bit. Yeah. But to save know. her at the end, I thought he's going to pop up. Yeah, but I, I kind of like that she saved herself at the same time. So it was kind of a bittersweet thing. Well, and the other thing, it, it still left it open that she wasn't a fully trained hero. Right. Because she was, those guys said, well, you can join us, but we're going to train you. Well, and that's what Team 7 is for. That's right. it literally leads right into that book. Right. Kind of explains Team 7 and how. Dinah came into contact with them. Yeah. So that was good setup for that too. Which is cool because she's on the same team as Slade Wilson, which is another arrow connection. Now the team seven book, is that take place present day or is that beforehand? That's beforehand. Okay. That's beforehand. And that team, um, that's, what, that's what issue is that book on? I think that book is canceled. Okay. 
I I I don't think it's still around. Um, I I know. I didn't really know she was involved in it until after I did some booking into this issue after I was done with it. Well, I know the new Fifty Two version is Amanda Waller, Alex Fairchild, James Bronson, Cole Cash, Dinah, uh, John Lynch, who was a member of the original team in Post Crisis, Kurt Lance, who is her husband. Um, Summer Ramos, Dean Higgins, Slade Wilson, Steve Trevor, and the Majestic guy, the Mr. Majestic from yeah. Wild, Wildstorm. I think Kurt Lance gets killed, right? I think so. Because she's, she's running around saying she's framed for her husband's death. Yes, I think so. And I, and I do know that Deathstroke, um, Deathstroke, Black Canary and Grifter get their powers working for the team. So I, I do believe Black Canary does have her own Sonic screen. Okay. So, yeah. But, you know, that's that's mostly Wikipedia and, and my own knowledge, so. I thought, I thought, like the Batgirl issue, this was another one where it was uh, one of the female heroes of the DC Universe getting empowered. Yeah. And, and, getting the confidence to do what they're eventually destined to do. Yeah. So this was good in that same way. I think the Batgirl issue did it a little bit better because with Barbara being at a younger age, it felt like she was a little bit more in peril than Dinah was. Mm. But it worked. I agree. But with that, we're going to go to our last book, Red Hood and the Outlaws, if you're ready, Michael. A Batman zero-year tie-in. There's a dark force of nature that's forming in Gotham City. A face laughing in the dark that will one day tear Jason Todd's life apart. What are his plans for the Red Hood gang? And who else will rise out of the shadows to guide Jason Todd one step closer to his destiny? All right. So this is Red Hood. Got the Outlaws 25. And I saved this book for last to leave us kind of on a cliffhanger to what's next for Batman Zero Year because this left a lot of things open for the future of that storyline. If, in fact, this villain does come back during Zero Year. Yes. Well, there was two major villains revealed in this one. Well, yeah. But uh, this was Jason Todd, Life on the Streets. Of course, it's not pretty for him. No, because his mom's an addict. Right. On everything. Exactly. And we witnessed kind of the beginning of a certain character manipulating his life is what ultimately happened here. I, I think we can talk about it because it's been over a year, right? Yeah. The Joker basically orchestrated all of Jason Todd's, like, everything. Right. Like, his entire life has been orchestrated by the Joker from becoming Robin to dying to coming even back as the Red Hood to an extent. He, It was all manipulated by the Joker. And this is kind of how the Joker... Or Jason Todd got on the Joker's radar. Yes, because he had the red hood on. Right, because Jason basically tried to uh, catch a break with the Red Hood gang to help take care of his mom. And so he put on a red hood to do that. And basically, the Joker wanted to eliminate call traces of the Red Hood gang. Yep. Including, um, and he almost killed Jason at one point. 
But Jason fights back, and that's kind of what makes the Joker curious, so he, he lets him live. Yes. Kind of was also kind of in a way to make the Red Hood come back to haunt Batman for yeah. essentially turning him into the Joker. And I, and I really liked that two things. One, the Joker was wearing a, uh, like bandages on his face. That's kind of a reference to Batman 89, but yeah. I really liked it. And I really liked that he was holding a crowbar, which is yes. so much foreshadowing to where Jason's life is going to go. I love yes. it. It was. I liked that he was wearing the mask. Covered the bandages on his face. It kind of, it kind of. Uh, if you look at the cover, it yeah, it looks like it was Hush. Yes, on the cover. But he's a little skinny to be yep. Hush. So then it's the Joker, obviously. Post, uh, post falling in the the acid. Yes. God, I I really liked it. That God, you know, he had the bandages and he was healing. God, that him becoming the Joker is a painful thing. And I will say, I do love the way the Batman Under the Red Hood arc, both in the movie and in the comics, explain Jason Todd's resurrection and explain why Rachel Gould decides to do it. But I like it a lot, almost better here in the New 52, where they give Talia a connection to Jason, like a personal yeah. connection to da- Jason, where she goes to tell her father how much he, how cool he is, how, how much she likes him, and how much potential he has. But I think it needs to be explained... This was a much more, I would say, forgiving Talia or compassionate Talia than we saw when Damien was killed. Well, I think obviously a lot has happened in five, six years at this point. So I think Morrison, Grant Morrison, with that story kind of painted Snyder and the rest of the writers into this corner where they need to explain what changed in her. To make her so open to, you know, killing her own 10-year-old child. Yeah. Because it better not be something creepy like they did on Batman Beyond, where it's Ra's al Ghul in Talia's body. It can't be, because Ra's al Ghul is still around. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing. Yes. Because that would be scary. That would be scary. I would not like that at all. It was scary when they gave her his voice. Good Batman Beyond. Cool. I, I read a YouTube comment under a video that was a clip from that episode, and it, and this might be a little, a little unfamily friendly, but I thought it was really funny. Um, it, it's basically the guy says, "What if they, what if they were having sex?" And then Talia just raised her voice and Raisha's voice and said, "You did well, detective." God. <laughs> From that episode. Yikes. Yeah, I know. I heard that. I, I laughed and then I cried. Okay. <laughs> well, and I thought it was funny how they, the, the one guy that Jason was running around with called Talia his girlfriend. Yes. And she's like, he's not. She's like, um, no. no. <laughs> it's my on and off boyfriend's son. Yes, it was kind of weird. So that was funny, and the the Russell Gold introduction was interesting. I wonder if he's going to be a part of Zero Year. I yeah, because obviously he's in Gotham. It's during Zero Year, so I'm wondering. Yes, you know, Batman may have to learn to mind his surroundings. 
Yes. Well, I will say I do not like the uh, New 52 design of Rachel Ghoul. I, I don't like it's it at all. It's not terrible. Uh, it's kind of bad. I, I, I would rather they've gone Batman the Animated Series route. Or at least like Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill route. Well, he's still got the goatee and stuff. Yeah, I know, but the, what he's wearing, it just uh, doesn't work. Great, and he's not wearing his like priest robe thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he just, it's just off. It just doesn't yeah, feel like Rachel Gould. Feels almost like, almost like a really distraught Vandal Savage. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like Rach. Well, they can always refine it. Yeah, and that might have been the artist's take. Right, if he shows up at zero, you're interested to see how he's going to be drawn in the regular Batman comic. Well, and he may be drawn better by, by Greg Capullo, who we know is a fantastic artist anyway. Yes. So, we'll see. If Roswell pops up in this storyline, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know at this point, but that would be really cool. Again, I really liked the Joker being here. Yes. Because I love that he still has a presence even if he's currently not around in the comics in the present, I love that he's still around in the past. Well, I wonder if he's going to have a long Halloween-like role in Zero Year, in the next parts of Zero Year. Which would be very good. Yeah. Because now he, I feel like he's kind of, he had his main part, because now he's going to be a side role in the rest of the story. The only thing is, the man who laughs is still in continuity. So I don't know if they'll do that. And if they do, he could just be bandaged up again. Man Who Laughs says, is that the one with the reservoir? Yes, that's that's his first crimes and all that. Okay. Well, it could still work. Yeah. Because he, he could just say that there's a bandaged man running around doing stuff. And his first official crime is the Joker was the Man Who Laughs. Well, that's true. I I think that's going to be the end of Zero Year because the setup to that story. And I really don't want them to tell it though, because I think they every... won't tell it. It'll just they gonna be the lead into that story. There'll be a line. It'll be like the end of Batman Begins. Like rumor had it, there's some guy that poisoned the reservoir or something like that. I like that. And then it'll start. That's good. Yeah. That good and that's kind of that's kind of how your one ended too yeah and i think if that's like yeah that makes more sense to me I like and that. that's a nice nod to those stories yep yep not just to man who laughs but also to or year one exactly yes and batman begins of course yes yeah i like that that works for me but again great comic Check it out and read Red Hood, kind of the Outlaws. I know the book seems like it's kind of an out there concept, but it's very good once you get into it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah. Especially the Jason Todd-driven stories. Story Harper ones are good, too. The Starfire ones are pretty good, but the Jason Todd ones are what you're there for. And I feel like I can suggest comics to you. It's kind of silly on Across the Airwaves when I suggest TV shows for you to watch because you kind of have to see every episode because you've already watched the episode by the time we're reviewing them. But when we do tie-in books, I feel like I can suggest comics because you might just be reading 
this comic for the tie-in. That tie-in story, yes. And that's kind of what I did for Birds of Prey. That's kind of what I did for Batwoman, Green Lantern Corps to an extent too. I mean, yes. there there are a few, good amount of books that I did just for the tie-ins. Batwing, right? And that was really good. So I mean, who knows? I might start I mean, reading that. Yeah, yeah, because that was really good. But it you was. know, and that was that was last week's episode, guys. If you want to check that out, it's rare for a tie-in to do that, but that one was. And actually, actually, Action Comics that tie-in got me back into that book because yeah. I was done with. I've been done with Action Comics since after Andy Diggle left his three issue thing. I wasn't going to come back, and then this was so good. Greg Pak is very good. Yes, that's and why. he's doing a really good job on Batman Superman too. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the way he writes Superman, but it's 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 a good book. With that that Lana character in Action Comics, that oh, is my. just awesome. Yes. Yeah, if you like the Batgirl story, read Action Comics Zero Year. Yeah, issue that's 20. All I have to say, yeah. Another female character. You know, I really got to hand it to the New 52, or the writers of the New 52, got really making the female characters really interesting and strong. What Marvel's doing with their female characters. Yeah. Except for Jean Grey. Because she's There's so many different good. versions now. Well, the all new X Men version of Jean Grey. Yes. And Kitty. Kitty's Kitty's still pretty good. But she, other than that, and MJ, but other than those three, yeah. Except for the fact that she got into Dr. Octopus, but. <laughs> uh, you mean he got into her? Good. Oh, sorry. Anyway. That's a Marvel thing. Yep. That, don't, don't, that might be talked about soon. They, well, yeah. yes. Maybe. Ha 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 ha. Hint, hint, hint. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Zero Year, I mean, all of these tie-ins have been great so far. They really have. And they've really, I think, expanded the story and made it a much bigger, much more real thing. Okay. I, I will say, um, before before we move into the closing, guys... You know we started, it's a podcast that covered Green Lantern, the animated series, and Young Justice, Young Justice Invasion, whatever you want to call it. Um, and most recently in this past week, uh, actually November November 19th uh, is when it came out on most systems, but some systems came out today, November 22nd. Um, Young Justice Legacy, the video game that bridges the gap between seasons one and two of Young Justice came out. Yes. It is a action role-playing game where you have to create a squad of members of the team and fight alongside the Justice League to fight the light. And cool. and, and this game has been released on Nintendo 3DS, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and it's on Steam uh, for Microsoft Windows. So definitely check yeah, so definitely check all those out. Greg Wiseman and Brandon Vietti, uh, the two showrunners of Young Justice, they wrote the game. Nice. And it was done by Little Orbit Entertainment, uh, which is, I believe, a Warner Brothers company. So that's really cool. It's it's definitely definitely a must buy for fans of Young Justice, and definitely a must have for fans who were left wanting more because it really explains um, the gap between season one and two. Kind of some more content for that show. And it has content for that show. Yeah, the tagline is "One will rise, one will fall." and one will die. So if that doesn't get you to go buy it and play it, I don't know it will. Go check it out. Yeah. We love DC Nation show, so we want to support Young Justice any way we can. For sure. 
So that's all great stuff. Kind of, yeah, just so you guys know, in case you're looking for it, we're not going to have Smallville this week um, because we are going to start waiting till the print issues come out. Got the print issue of the series that are going right now, Titans and Alien, have not come out yet. So yes. when they do, we will cover them. Correct. And with that, I think it's about time to move into the closing. I think we had a solid comic book discussion. Absolutely. And Michael, would you like to share with everyone what we're going to do next? Because I think people are going to like this one. Absolutely, Ben. On next week's episode of DC Nation, we will be doing a very controversial episode where we talk about which is better, Marvel and DC, where we talk about DC versus Marvel in terms of comic books, animation, live-action television, and film, where we go by each company giving their strengths and weaknesses and telling you our ultimate verdict on which company is better. And we have pros and cons about each company. So just Absolutely. because this is DC Nation, we're going to have pros and cons about both sides. And then we're going to kind of give our verdict on what's better in terms of television, with including animated series, comic books, and movies. Absolutely. And alongside that, we will be covering the one Batman Zero of the Year tie-in of the next week, The Flash, with issue 25, the finale to Francis Manipal and Brian Bulicito's run on the book. Oh, that's kind of a bummer issue to go out on. Yeah, but to be fair, they are going to Detective Comics, right. which which I'm sad that John Layman is leaving, but that is, like, awesome. Well, they might be setting up their run Yeah, with the, with the book, the Flash 25. Also, oddly enough, Aquaman 25 is Jeff John's last issue on Aquaman, so we may have to talk about that, too. Yes. Kind of, I guess until that time, you can check out the other podcasts we've got on our fabulous Across the Airwaves Network. We've got its Tangent Time. Can I let Michael explain that one since that's his show? Uh, it's Tangent Time is basically was Kim and myself, where we talk about just about anything that comes to our mind in terms of uh, sci-fi, action-adventure, comic books, movies in general, or just anything that comes to our mind that week that we want to talk about. We actually are on hiatus right now, but the week after this next coming week, okay, so after state our State versus Queen episode of Longbow Hunters, we and I will be doing another Tangent Time episode. We will be bringing that back for a week because Arrow will be off for a week where we're going to get into some, some heavy topics with you guys, but I won't announce them here. I'll wait till that show or until our next episode of Longbow Hunters, whichever one we decide, because that's going to be a fun episode. So yes. definitely, definitely be looking out for that, crossairs.com slash Tangent Time. It's going to be great. But also, we've got Across the Airwaves, and that's our podcast that covers just about every live-action series on television, along with the animated series, The Legend of Korra. And we're going to cover the Korra finale this week, as well as the premiere episodes of Call Us Human, and those were great. And we're also going to be talking about the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. So you got a lot of cool things to look forward to with Across the Airwaves, along with our coverage of some pretty heavy-duty episodes of Castle, Supernatural, Person of Interest that hit a huge shocker, got a whole lot more. Again, if you want information on probably the most popular drama we cover here on ATA, Longwell Hunters, you can check out the Arrow podcast. Okay, Michael, you can take it away with that one since that's also your show. 
Yes, that's Wu and I once again, where we talk about Jep's sort of arrow in high um, high definition detail. No, that doesn't even exist. And in, in major uh, detail that takes about an hour to cover because there's just so much. We used to cover the digital comics alongside that, but unfortunately those are no longer a thing. So replacing that, we give you the DC Universe Easter eggs every week, which I know will entice all of you DC Nation fans, especially those of you who watch Arrow. So definitely go check out that show as well. Um, that, or I should say that podcast, but that show as well, um, because there's a lot of good Arrow content. And Dan and Andy give their thoughts on each episode every week as well. So you get four people giving you their thoughts on Arrow, four people who know a good amount about DC Comics. So that's definitely definitely something for you DC Nationites to go check out. Yeah, so we've also, for those of you that are fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've got the Helicarrier podcast, which is hosted by the great supporter of our podcast, Gandhi Babacht. And he and his guest co-host at this point seek uh, cover episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in greater detail called the Helicarrier Podcast. So check that out if you want more content God Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Also, this podcast has an affiliation. Also, our podcast has an affiliation to iTunes now. So if you want to help out our podcast, if you click the download on iTunes button located on the main page of our website, or click any of the links to subscribe to this podcast or any of the others, any of the purchases you make to the iTunes store for the next three days, a portion of that purchase will go towards helping support ATA and bring all of our podcasts to you on a weekly basis. So if you want to help out our site, be sure to click that download button. Absolutely. Also, if you'd like, you can contact our podcast in a variety of ways. With any of the thoughts that you have on any of the podcasts we have or any of the comic books we cover here on this podcast, and you can contact us by visiting our website at www.acrosstheairways.com. And there you can email us at acrosstheairways at gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. Um, to keep up with all the movie and TV news that we report on during the week. Can stay updated on our podcast episode releases. Can for that same information, you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter is Across Airwaves. There's no the there. It's just Across Airwaves. Or you can join our circle on Google+. Also, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail, which we're willing to play on air, featuring your thoughts on comic books and more. Can, what number can you call to do that, Michael? One seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. Again, that is one seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. Please specify that you are leaving your voicemail for Dan and Michael at the DC Nation podcast. Also, um, we've got our YouTube channel, which features all sorts of um, DC Nation shorts that we have covered in the past on this podcast. But also, we have previews for upcoming movies. Got that awesome YouTube channel. Got we've got previews for. Uh, newly added preview we've got is for Captain America the Winter Soldier and coming soon tonight we will have a trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past it's either tonight or tomorrow yes tonight or tomorrow so keep an eye on our YouTube page for that also we've got a trailer for Catching Fire on there the new Hunger Games movie coming out and Thor the Dark World so if you're excited about movies coming out this winter check out those trailers on our YouTube channel also, if you don't want to go back through our podcast for all the ways you can contact us, you can download our podcast box app. 
And uh, with that app, you can listen to and stay in contact with our podcast through your iPad and iPhone. And if you're on an Android or Windows device, uh, you can do the same thing by downloading our Android app for the Amazon Marketplace. So once again, for our ATA Core members, Nico Reifstech, Louis Kim, and Andy Babak, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Michael J. Petty. Gonna tell our next episode. We will catch you on the airwaves. Happy bad skimming, everyone. Enjoy your turkey. Now return to our regularly scheduled program.